Welcome to the Craft Imperial Podcast, a weekly podcast about cigars, whiskey, and all the banter you could possibly want. You'll join your host, the Bourbon Cowboy, the Viking, as each week we get into different cigars, different whiskeys, budget, hard to find, unicorn, you name it. The rabbit holes we're going to go down, insights, opinions, conversation, new releases from Craft Impero, and anything else we can seem to let fall of our mouths that week. You guys enjoy this episode. Mahalo. All right, aloha, guys. Welcome back to the Craft and Grow podcast. You are here with your host, the Viking. And the Bourbon Cowboy. And we are welcome to have with us Tiny Tom. <laughs> Tiny Tom. Did you just make that yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. No thanks. Tiny Tom. Yeah, Tiny Tom. Tommy Klein of 314 Cigar Brokerage. Uh, say what's up, man. What's up, everybody? Uh, so this is not the first time Tommy's been on the podcast, but this is the first time the podcast is all about Tommy. So both times that we've had Mickey Pegg, um, of All Saints cigars. cigars. Thank you. Uh, Tommy has been here as well. Um, so we'll let him explain the cigar we're starting with, and then we're going to kind of walk through cigars as we go through this broadcast. Uh, a bunch of different ones from different companies, um, a lot of fun and, and things like that. So we will get into that, and being that Tommy is a Scotch drinker, the Bourbon Cowboy is going to adapt and become the Scottish horse rider today. So I like that. It's just going to have to happen, I think. <laughs> but we have two two very unique bottles that we're going to be on today um what do you guys want to start with scotch well they're both technically i know that i was just being me um I'll tell you what, let's start with the Glen Morangi and then we'll show off that other bottle as we get in. I think that's the smart one. Uh, so this Glen Morangi that we're going to start on here, this is a Tale of Winter. This bottle released in 2021 and um, I've had it. I, I, I've had it. I just never opened it, didn't do anything with it. We're going to do that one first. But, oh, yeah, sorry. And then uh, haven't had it. It's just kind of been sitting. I was going to pull it out at Christmas just and then drink it then, but it is December, we are here, so we're going to go ahead and pop that open. While the Cowboys working that out, um, why don't you talk about what we're smoking? I will, but first let me be clear so nobody yells at the show people. Yes, I am going to drink my scotch with ice because it's my scotch, and I want to drink it with ice. So, we're going to oh, open you're saying up. that's the way you drink your scotch. Yes, it's the way I drink everything. Never heard anybody get down on you. Well, you know, However I get, you like to drink it. I have been like yelled at numerous times. Oh, you've got a 24 whatever year scotch and you're putting ice in it? Hey, it's your juice, man. Right, it's, it's, your it's juice. in my glass. Now, what's in your glass? I'm not going to argue with you. Hi, will you show that to the camera before you pour it? But so it, on the Patreon, guys, that's where you get the uh, video podcast. So you see pictures of everything as well. So limited edition. <laughs> Are you hand modeling? I like it. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and pour that, and then we are going to light into these firecrackers. So talk about that pigtail at the top, um, because that's the, the long one, or the fuse, I guess you would call it. Yeah, the and pigtail was technically aesthetic, because much like any cigar that's got a pigtail on it, you twist that off, you don't need to cut the cigar. And they made it longer to look like the wick on a firecracker. 
but I'm bummed. It's a whole play on that. But, you know, the one thing I dig is it's got the Ecuadorian Habano wrapper on it with some Cirilla binder. And that makes it a really nice, good smoke. Just going pull to that guy out and twist it off. And right, just twist and it'll come off and then you don't have to cut the cigar. Um, what kind of binder did you say was on this? It is an Ecuadorian Habano. The binder? No, oh, Cirillo binder. Cirillo binder. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's the Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. You threw me off with asking me a question. You know I don't do well with that. Well, that should lead for entertainment. Let me see one of these lighters you're repping too, one of these soft lamps. Oh, you're gonna check these. Lamp? I'm assuming you want to twist it yeah. in the, the motion of the twist. Right? Yeah, follow it, follow yeah. it over with and the off. twist that's already on it, not opposite the twist, because right. then you're just gonna unravel. Well, that's what I thought, but I just wanted to make it clear for the listeners. Listeners? Alright, once everybody gets cut and lit, we will jump into that. Um, so you got a very fine, medium body. Now, I, this is not an official cigar term, but I call this a dog walker. You know, you only and you're referring to the time in which it's done. Yes. You only have a little bit of time to get a stick in, i.e. you're taking your dog out for a walk. This is a great little cigar. You go out, it's medium body, great flavor. And if you're familiar with Ecuadorian tobacco at all, the flavor comes through heavy with that subtle hint of pepper on the palate. I mean, even before you light it, you yeah. get that on the yeah. palate. There's a very, like, buttered-down spiciness to it that's yes. good. Um, it's, it's not a kick-you-in-the-teeth heavy spice. But with a lot of Ecuadorian tobacco as well, it is a dry smoke. Right. You know? Um, I agree. But it's definitely a solid, and it's, again, this is the United Firecracker. So I need to make a, a qualifying statement. This is specifically United. Every year, a couple times a year, they will do uh, limited edition firecrackers. They well, a lot of people do. They oh, use yeah. that term, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And all it is is they'll do a, uh, a cigar with another company. And they've done them with some big companies. Uh, last year we had the Bandolero, which was Select Tobacco. Yep. And we also had the Foundation Firecracker, yep. which was the, uh, uh, I think it was the Connecticut Seated. Wise man, so, yeah, yeah, that kind of, and mm -hmm. that that term has just—it's probably five. Okay. Yeah, that term has just been used for anything pretty much in that forty-eight to fifty ring gauge by two and a half, three inches. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just falling into that. All right, let's do our inaugural cheers and uh, let's get into this uh, tale of winter. Yeah. Cilantro. I love it. That is definitely in my wheelhouse. It's definitely Glimmer Andrew. Tell you that. Yes. A little chocolate to that, huh? You know, I think one of the strange things is I would have liked to try this before 
I lit up this cigar because I, I've got those beginnings of the firecracker and all that in my mouth, so I don't know what I'm getting. I think I'm getting more of the cigar. I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's also... This was going to be very fun and interesting for me because you are not a scotch drinker, okay? The Cowboy's got a very rich palate for scotch, uh, so everything that he's liked, he's either a rare cast guy or he's 18 or older on McAllen, uh, old vintage editions, <laughs> you know, so... But the unique thing about this is being that this is scotch and the Japanese we're going to get to, the reason I brought both of these is Japanese whiskey is damn near a Scottish whiskey with the exception of one grain, right? It's made the exact same way. Everything goes through the same process. It's just different that way. And so um, what will be very unique is at 90 proof, right? It's going to be so less, not, so that's how I said, more, less dense than any 90 proof bourbon you've ever had. It will be lighter. The taste will be more elegant. They'll be, they'll be more subtle and, and, and focused. Uh, which is why, like, when you talk to a lot of, you know, I talked to some older guys that were doing bourbon for a long time when they were in their younger years. I'm talking like, you know, 70s. Uh, they're all drinking scotch now. And I, I wonder if that would have been different if they had started drinking bourbon within the past two decades and not 20, 30 years ago because of the variety in bourbon that's available now. Right? But, so who is United Cigar Company? So United Cigar Company is owned by David Garoppolo of Two Guys Smoke Shop and the Cigar Authority Podcast. Uh, but it's actually run by Oliver Navarre. Um, Oliver has been with the company a long time. I mean, he knows, and this is his baby. He's putting his blood, sweat, and tears into it. Uh, Dave, phenomenal cigar guy, phenomenal retail guy, phenomenal, I want to make your retail side better guy. There is, I, I don't know anybody that has bad things to say about that at all. Yeah, about because, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Because he is there to help other retailers and help the consumer get quality cigars. And Two Guys is in Rhode Island, Massachusetts. And New Hampshire. New Hampshire. I was close. Yeah, East Coast. East Coast, yeah. <laughs> she wanted to be on the podcast, too. Just want to make sure somebody burger, got the right burger, burger. Yeah, We got the cheese. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's not bad so far. Um... I know it's, it, it'd be curious how it grows, but it won't grow very long. You know what I mean? Because right. the size of the smoke. But it's got a phenomenal. I would take this in body complex. I take it to a fool. Just the smoke output. I mean, it's got. But actually, I, w I shouldn't say that because there's a lot of smoke, but it's not a big, dense, heavy onset of flavor smoke. Yo, this is more of a go, come and release kind of smoke. Like you were talking on that bourbon we had uh, last week. It's one of those. Like when you drink it, you taste it, then it's gone. And right? I think that's the whole concept, being a dog walker, a little shorty. You don't want something that's going to take an hour to build to the crescendo. You just want it to hit and go because you want to have a quick cigar. Right. And it fills that void wonderfully. I think it's got kind of an earthy, 
this, you know, and I know a lot of people say this, but I can, there is some cocoa in this. I, I taste a little cocoa in that. And I don't know if that's because of the, a little bit of the, uh, the winter. Yeah. But I, I, on that last draw, I got a little cocoa out of it. And I'm curious because I tasted, I said there's a little chocolate in this, right? Like when I had the, the tail of winter. But I wonder. But earthy, definitely earthy. Like in this, in this case, like with the Ecuador and stuff. That's why I talk about that dry. Yeah, yeah. not cotton mouth. Not talking about that. Like it's not drying you out. But it's got a very, like a lot of Dominican tobacco does. It's got that ground feel, that just dry, you know, muted solid flavor. I should say muted and solid are counterproductive, but those muted dense flavors. You know, they're they're right there. It's okay. I I think it absolutely serves the bill that it was produced to serve without a question in my book just smoky little fucker tell you that i again i don't know if i've said this before because i had uh i've tried some different cigars over the last couple weeks big sky being one of them but some of them i think have a rough start um but this is getting a little better, but I think it had a rough start, but it's getting a little better, but definitely can taste a little pepper, a little cocoa, and like you said, a little chocolate. I guess that's what I'm saying, but kind of a a raw cocoa. I mean, it's not yes. like super chocolate. No, like the, like, like those. Have you ever, have you ever eaten those like 60, 70%? Have you ever eaten any raw cocoa? Yeah. It's pretty dry. That's what I'm talking about. Like sweet. Have, no, I've never had like, I've never had like raw cocoa from a cocoa bean, right? But have you ever had like those 60, 70% chocolate bars? Yeah. They're supposed like the dark chocolates that yeah. it's, it's, it's really kind of a mind, and that's what I'm always, that's what I'm talking about when I always say chocolate or cocoa. I'm talking about that because that's like, you eat it. It's not chalky, but it's, it's like you eat it and it tastes like you want dark chocolate to taste. Just there's no sweetness. Right. It's None. gone. You know? Most people, and that's the problem. And again, now we're getting off of cigars and oh, this how this goes, scotch. buddy. So, but chocolate, you say that, and everybody immediately thinks Hershey bar. Yeah, they don't think actual chocolate that produces those things. Right, right. And that all comes from where you're at with the cocoa nibs. I got. I was. Don't even remember where I was. Some foreign country, and you could buy cocoa nibs. It was a snack. Yeah. Let me tell you, it's the weirdest snack next to bean sprouts I've ever had. Because there, it's not sweet. It's not. It's you could definitely taste a hint of chocolate, but it was you chew it up and it's gone. Yeah, it's more like the aftertaste yes. of what you would get from a Hershey bar. <laughs> when he got into the snack thing, my mind just starts spinning because there is some crazy ass snacks that people eat and they like, and I'm like, I don't get it. Did I just break? Did I break it too? Because I mean, some of the shit that people eat is so hard. Like they like I, I do like pork rinds, but then some like the really hard crunchy pork rinds. I don't mind crunchy too, but on the border of breaking my tooth. You, when you get a bag of pork rinds, 
I think you and I are joking. There's about always one in there that you've got to be careful. You only eat pork grinds that are at least an inch and a half in length. If they're below that, you're losing a molar. Right? Well, just go <laughs> tread lightly. But see, I'm also, I'm only a fan of real, like, you go down to any one of the barbecue joints and you get fresh pork rinds from there, I'll eat those all day. Oh, but I don't shit. care. I will get that corn syrup processed oh, shit. Oh, the shit station. that comes in a bag, I won't eat. Nah, I know I we're getting like a little it. off track. But the, the pork rinds we had at Wild JP, yeah. Yeah. those were bad to the bone. He sells them by the bag. Okay. That's I a local dude that does yeah. them, though, right? Didn't you say that? That's someone local that does them for him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're but again, It's done local. It's not processed yeah. in a yeah. bag. I just but can't. then those corn nuts, too. I've grabbed a bag of those ones. Oh, you'll break teeth. I know. Dude, everything's like that. Sunflower seeds? But if it's in a quick trip or, you know, somebody's really liking that, and I, I feel like I got pretty good teeth, but I mean, holy crap. Well, anyway, I want to keep my Enough of the snack, but that just right. hit my head right away. <laughs> Plus, I try to keep this a little light. Oh, come, come on. on. So, uh, uh, here, it's only going to be light. Oh, yeah. And rather stupid. Uh, oh, have oh. some more of that, man. I will turn you into a scotch drinker yet. Hey, if I have my way, I'll help out because I'm a Balvini guy. That's true. Well, no, I will say this. I would pick this as a scotch. If you were like, taste this, well, I would say that's a scotch. But it's, of course, dry, right? And it's got a little um, spiciness to it. Um, dry, spicy. No, I'm not offended by it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm not offended by it. Now, me, and this is where I really get stupid about this, I don't like the peaty scotches. I'm not huge on peaty either. Nope. I'm not yeah. I just don't like, I'm being a, by the way, I'm a firefighter by trade. I've been doing this job for 35, 36 being years. Being said, you'd think you know how to work a liner, but he puts fires out, he doesn't like them. Exactly. And let's stick with that story. Okay. So, if I want to smell or drink smoky stuff, I'll just do it at a house fire. That's what it smells like to me. It's much like a lot of the fire-cured cigars in the world. They well, I'm, all, I'm out on all that. But I'm just saying, they're wonderful cigars, I'm certain. But I just can't, I don't enjoy it. Have you ever sat around a campfire right after yes. you put it out, that smell? That's what I get out of Petey yeah. Scotch, Petey Bourbons, and there are some Petey Bourbons out there, believe it or well, not. No, they're, they're starting to do that now. A lot of bourbon is, and that's MGP and they're genius. I'm, I'm going to give that to MGP. They've started playing around uh, like Whistlepig did with that uh, farm stock, the Traeger one. It's got, there's a smoke to it. But this is where I get separate on peat and smoke. I like smoke is okay. Like when you get an over smoke, it's more of a nasally adduct. Okay. But I don't like the way you almost taste peat. the bunch, right, when you're drinking it. It just tastes, it tastes like... Like, have you ever had a, um, like an overly smoked cocktail? Yes, yeah, I have. Again, I'm not a big smoked cocktail. I like my meat smoked. Yeah. I like my bourbon a certain way. Sure, I need to smoke sure. my bourbon. Right, no. And, um, sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Did you catch that one? You said, I like my meat smoked. You said, by who? <laughs> I just, it was a question. You like what I smoked, man. 
<laughs> I pretty good. I at gave it. that to you guys. I'm just seeing who's gonna run it. Pretty good at it, actually. <laughs> you know, there's a few places out there that make high-end craft cocktails. Well, they will literally char an orange peel. Yeah, that's different well, there's, to me. There's also sometimes that you you go into yeah go nuts. You go into a, a bar or a lounge or a restaurant that. Um, they smoke so much of their cocktails that you sit at the bar and you smell the wood chip. Yeah. Right? Are you? It's just already there. You know, there are some peated scotches out there. Like I can talk about Lafroy, right? The lore, and then actually Ardbeg's a little better. The Kaborki. Yeah. Or, or Bacon, however you want to, whatever. Um, I like the smoke in that scotch because it's almost like because of all the citrus and the sweetness that's always in scotch like there's not a single scotch on the market that doesn't that you won't see a taste note that says oranges berries or grapes it, it's just it just happens because of the highlands and, and every how scotch is done right I agree. it's almost like with a bourbon there's always caramel always and everything it's always there and that's just kind of become the redundant taste for char levels right right um but in in that scotch it's more of an essence of the scotch it's not right up in your nose and put it forward then you drink something like smokehead and when you open smokehead i put the cork right back in the bottle i'm not i'm not doing it right away it's almost like you encapsulate a campfire you open it it's boom right there not doing it yeah well, i don't think i would enjoy that what's weird is smoke wagon you know that bourbon that we've had three or four times i don't get a real smoky feel off that bourbon it's more of a real rich um, yeah i don't i don't either yeah, go ahead buddy go ahead but I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not huge on that. Nope. So while the cowboy takes his phone call, how you feeling on the cigar? So like I said, I love the cigar. I've smoked this numerous times, and I can't divulge a lot about what I'm about to say. Well, before you start, yes, I'm not a fan of super tasty, right? Like so. Now I've got. We've got good friends. We've got people that have great palates that I trust and talk about all that. We are not going to break this whole thing down. No, I'm not doing that. I won't that. do that. I will say as we're getting into it, there's a little bit of ammonia starting to build on it. Um, but that may be, I've been retroing it a few times, so I'm going to pull away from the retro for the rest of the cigar. That may be my palate starting to cook. Well, also, it's my firm belief that you're starting to get that little bit of ammonia pull because you didn't clear the cap. My caps are always clear. You understand my point? Yeah. All cigars, in my opinion, that you don't do a straight cut on is a general statement. You're going to get the ammonia. Sorry about that. You're fine. You'll get the ammonia buildup on the back end. Well, I think it's more not, not necessarily just cleaning, cleaning the cap. It's making a proper, um, a clean cut. Yeah. Well, whichever. So, like, if you punch a cigar and you don't punch fully right you're going to start to get some of the the i'm going to use i'm using acid as a term of understanding not that there's acid in a cigar, right? but the oils in the cigars that are very alive and active we all know this when it comes to cigars but you'll start to get this acidic effect because yes. your the pressure of the draw when you're pulling through the cigar it's what helps create the combustion on the end of the cigar right 
if it's too tight, that's why a lot of times you'll get the tar buildup. Yep. That's the tar is is always in. It's, there's nicotine in tobacco, Nothing right? Nothing you can do. All that tar is, so everyone understands this, is tar is nicotine in liquid form. What's called? Um, in a cigar. So don't get me started on cigarettes and all that shit. But in a cigar. <laughs> um, but. If you don't clean it, clean cuts, right? Whether it's a punch, a straight cut, a V cut, a double V cut, however you want to open or excise the top of your cigar, it's very important that it's clean because if not, the pressure you apply to it will create those acidic yes. ammonia-based kind of feels. In my case, I've been I've retroed this thing like six times, so I'm gonna stay away from retroing for probably another half hour because I may be I may be starting to cook the top side of my palate. You probably won't get that far along anyways before we switch cigars. So you're probably okay. right. But so while we have a second, I need to pay some homage, please. Uh, because I wouldn't be sitting right here, right now, if it wasn't for two guys. Uh, the first one is Tony Bellotta, which is one of the brands that I represent in three states, the Barba Cigars. I, and to tell me, you know, oh, Tom, when did this happen? What I'll say is before COVID. Yeah. Because everything after COVID is, or before COVID for me is just walk. Uh, Tony needed help at PCA. He was going to have his first full-size booth. Uh, came to a local shop where a very good friend of his is. Didn't know if we should talk about specific shops. Any shops are fine. Okay, I yeah. didn't. I didn't want to overstep. He showed up at well, Grand almost Cruz. any shop is fine. Showed up at Grand Cru and said, "Hey, I need some help. Is anybody available?" I was available. I went out. I helped him at the show, and he and Robert Caldwell together gave me my start as a broker. Uh, and again, I only have them in three states: Missouri, Kansas, and uh, uh, Nebraska. But if it wasn't for them guys, I wouldn't be a broker today. So I want to make sure to pay my respect to them because they gave me my start. I, I had been doing retail for five years, but that's still not being a cigar broker. That's not going out and representing somebody's company for them. So I just want to make sure I put that out there. And then the next thank you for me goes to Mickey Pegg, Brandon Marshall, and Oliver Navad and Dave Garofalo, even though Oliver, yeah, I think, was yeah. technically the one that hired me. I did interview with Dave for giving me my next step in the brokerage world. That without these companies, what is a broker? He's a guy that smokes cigars and tells lies. What? I'm honest. What are you lying about? <laughs> well, if we want to go there, but it, you know, it, it, Smoked meat. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways. The, and you can't overstep yourself on our program. Yeah. Exactly. So you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the bottom line is these guys took a chance with me as much as I have with them. None of my brands are super, you know, Padron or Rocky. I get that. But they are all great cigars. Yeah. And I want to just say thank you to those guys for giving me the opportunity to get out there and 
Oh. Well, hell yeah. Glad you got Smoke it. cigars. Um, why don't you pick what we're going to smoke next? I already got um, that one in my plate. That firecracker, I will say, I, I get it. Um, the only thing for me on it is, again, it may have, may have been my set-in, uh, may have been what, but it did start to get rather acidic ammonia, you know, as it started going through the cigar. Um, but it could be one of those unique things, too. It's just not not my not my thing. We don't have to all smoke the same cigar, either. Nobody well, no, I understand that. I'm just trying to figure out what I did with them, because I brought a bunch of stuff. There it is. Forgive me, I'm still looking. Oh, there's Yours is right there. Now, I do want to smoke these together. Now, this, uh, from Caldwell, Robert Caldwell, this is one of my favorite releases that he's ever done. So, let's give a little bit of backstory. Sure. Before we say anything, I just want to know something. Have I had, I've had these cigars, not this particular one, but I've had Caldwell yes, before. a lot. And I'm betting it was at Montre's? Yes, Yes, all right. And wait, 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 actually, wait. the one you smoked, the one you, this was years ago with okay, somebody it was else. Probably two years two, ago, two, two, maybe half. three. Yeah. Mm -mm. This, it wasn't. It was something that we had. They didn't sell it. it okay. Now, now you're explaining. Um, the one you smoked is actually the before this. Yeah, yeah, I think I still may have one in my humidor. I'm not positive. So go ahead. So this. I don't know if you can see it well. It's the Midnight Express. This was Robert's version of a Maduro. Yes. Because Robert Caldwell, in his own words, will tell you, I hate Maduro. Yes. So Which he, is strange, because then he continued to make it. But right. Whatever. Well, and he made a cigar that he loved. Yeah. And this is the follow-up, the wrapper shade change to the Eastern Standard. Yes. That's what you had smoked. We smoked the Eastern Standard. So this cigar, only the footband wasn't there, and this label was white and gray. Yes. So again, you've got a pigtail on there, but I don't prescribe to use it because it's a very small one. I say cut it and enjoy it. Right, let me highlight one of your uh, soft flames. Absolutely. My lighters that I represent are all yes, a company called Dissim. D-I-S-S-I-M. Really, really good lifetime warranty on all of our stuff. So, you know, that makes it valuable in my book all by itself. For sure. So many companies, they claim lifetime warranty, they don't have it. And you get a lifetime warranty on something, and I couldn't tell you what, because I'm not going to get into other companies' issues. I just, I know ours. Something happens to a lighter, I sell somebody, you give it to me, I give you a new one, you get a new one back. You know? So Now one thing we always talk about that you don't do is you don't, it's really, always give your cigar about a half inch and an inch. I'm going to admit this, I think maybe I jumped the gun on that firecracker. Um, I may have tried to smoke it too fast. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not perfect either. That, that was, Sounds I don't know. like how I treat women. I'll do that again. We should probably stop that. But, <laughs> what? Um, smoking too fast. 
Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> but I was on about the inch to half. But these these cigars, the Midnight Express, they've always come in right off the bat with a super. I'm talking as soon as you light it, like as soon as that tobacco combusts, there is this awesome setting of a. Um, like a, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever had lean moy. If you had, it's a Asian seasoning that's put on a lot of candies in the Pacific Islands. But it comes in immediately with this real, it, uh, this real high intensity sweetness that is met by an immediate salt and just hits it right away. It's a really fun taste for me. It, oh, sure. I, I, I really enjoy it. And it always happens every time I light this cigar right away off the bat. It's like when I talk about like with, with our Reaper and even like, I think most of the spice in the Reaper happens immediately when you light it. It's just yes. boom. And it's there. spicy. And then it settles into the flavored spices and everything else in that cigar, right? Once it combusts and all the smoke starts to play through. But even also like when you smoke a Padron, anything in a 64, 20, the anniversary side of stuff, as soon as you light those, man, there's that crystal type spice that just right away punches in. All right, so we moved on to another cigar. Let's talk about A Tale of Winter so far. So what I'm gonna say, being a Scotch guy, I am, I prefer Scotch over just about any other spirit that I can drink. I find this definitely enjoyable. It is not a hard-hitting, well, some of what I call the lesser expensive scotches, well, you get what you pay for. Sure. This is a very easy to drink, smooth, citrusy orange. No, I'm I had to go there because you said it. I guess nature calls. I don't, you know, I have no idea because that's what this podcast is. Now, these are his. He brought them. But for me, I, you know, with this, I don't get like... I don't get an overwhelming or, or really much of any heat on it whatsoever. Right. Um, but I do get, it's like a dry drink, right? There's a little dryness to it. And I'm not saying harsh, but maybe more of a, and probably tart is not the no, I, I don't get way tart. about it either, but I can't really, um, I don't know. Again. It's like some of these, it's like, uh, and I've always told this to Mark and our, and our listeners, that sometimes it's really hard to uh, describe exactly in layman's terms what you think of it because obviously Mark's had a lot of scotches and I do too I have two at this point but um, now for me it just seems like it could be smoother there's a there's kind of a little rough exterior to it gotcha uh, I enjoy this uh, like, and again I drink a great deal of different scotches uh, and I just I get a very smooth wood pull on it and it hangs right around the top of your tongue yes it doesn't like you know with bourbon you've got 
not so much with Scott because you got a nose which just has a nose as well. And then when you put air in it and move it around in your mouth, it just kind of settles in on the top of your tongue right. and moves around. And probably harsh is the wrong word, but I'm, I'm just trying to zero in on it. And then it just kind of stayed there. And there are some bourbons that do that same thing. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm with you, though. I think, like I said, dude, I don't get any bite with this at all. Some scotch, you get a bite. If you get the peaty side, you get the smoke. You know, and this is where my downfall is. Bourbon, Irish, Scotch, finishing a run Caribbean cast. All right, just take my money. Yeah. Well, the, the, the rum cast finishing is great. Like, you're a huge Balvini 14, which is the rum cast finish. Um, but this is a this is a awesome scotch. I, I'm, I'm very, very happy with it. This, is, this will be cool. I'll hold it for Christmas, and then we'll do it again next year. We'll add some to the Infinity bottle we've been working on. Um, but, which there's like, what, this much in that bottle? <laughs> yeah, but what's in that? No, there's more than that. What's in that bottle is Edition 5 and 6, Macallan Rarecast 19, uh, Highland Park 17, I just There's cleaned the bottle. It's dark. Another big one I'm missing. I would think it would be lighter. Now, it isn't a green bottle, so yeah. that's probably causing a lot of it. Um, but, yeah. It's just so different from going from what I normally taste to this. And there is some bourbons, like I told him. This just kind of lingers right on the top of your tongue and hangs out. And there is some flavor there and whatever. It's dry, there's no doubt about that. And it's got slight little, some sort of notes. And, and that's why I was telling him, it's so hard to tell. Well, this was gonna be fun for me because you do so much, like I do, right? Like, Tommy, I'm sure you've heard this story. I won't go into the whole thing, but up until I met Hodge in, in, in 17, Dude, I didn't drink bourbon. My scotch collection is what I I, 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 I'm a scotch guy. Yeah, well, because like when we had met, I had told, I've told the story a million times, I'm sorry. But I had had that same thing with everybody else. We were out, let's get a bourbon. Someone poured like Maker's 46 or some shit. This is bourbon. And I'm like, you guys are you damn mom. Like, now I've matured and my palate's better. I can appreciate a Maker's Mark, right? Okay. But then when you're drinking, you know, Macallan 12 to 40 and you're sitting on Highland Park and you're sitting your Balvinis and getting into your Glen Morangis, then you come down to your Grainstones and all this other shit that I still fucking have. It's so different. You know, scotches have that mild sweetness and the easy drinking to them. That's, that's what scotch is, right? Now, obviously, when you get to 25 and older, it starts to get more dense and heavy because it's been in the barrel for, you know, two, three, four, five decades. But getting over there. So with how much bourbon, I should say, I should say this way, with the very little bit of drinking of scotch that you do in a year in any of your daily, like if you, if you had a drink every day, 
it would take five months before one of those days you had a scotch. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. So going into this, I thought this would be a lot of fun for you to try and figure out what the hell it is you're tasting. Well, like I said, I would pick it out as a scotch. It sits on the tongue. It's dry. There's a slight little fruit fruitiness to it, but it just kind of hangs out and... Uh, it's definitely not like one of my faves because I'm all about, I mean, what I've drank and what I like is the McAllen. You know what I like. Yeah. And then I've got two different Highlands that I've come to like. And then out of that, I probably have blackened. I probably have three other scotches, one maybe from Oregon and a few offshoots. And those are, those are even uniquely different too because those are American Scottish whiskeys. So you're taking the method of scotch, right, using malt, barley, and feet, and then doing it with our water, our, uh, or not atmosphere, our weather, you know, things like that. So even that's a little closer to bourbon than a Scottish whiskey would be, you know? But you know what's funny? It's like when I do tasting, um, like I'll get invited to a bourbon party, and one in particular is, is Paul Cass. He'll have like, let's say, 10 bottles on a little Lazy Susan. Well, actually, it's a barrel top made into a Lazy Susan. And I will just have of a lot of new stuff that maybe I haven't tried, and I'll do a little sniff of everything, and then all of a sudden, wow, there's one that really stood out. Yeah, and then have a little bit more of that, and then try to figure out what you like about that, what bottle it is, where it's from, and whatever. And, you know, in some ways, it's like that for cigars sometimes. You know, you're trying some uh, new blends of some different cigars in that. I always feel like I should have to smoke that whole cigar, but give it like halfway through and then move on to another one and give it a shot and see, you know, if anything is grabbing you because I definitely have from the wrapper and throughout things now that I think my palate recognizes. Now, I may not be able to pick out everything, but my palate recognizes that. And I says, oh, yeah, that's one I like. Right. Because I've tried new ones. Right. Um, Stolen Thrones was probably one that just lucky enough out of that batch, maybe there was three yeah, that three uh, Grand Crew had. Yeah. There was one um, that all of a sudden I was like, wow. Took of the crown. That's probably yeah. it. And that red label one. Yep, yep. And Phenomenal. that one yeah. right there meets all of the things for me and my palate that I really enjoy. Um, now you could break that cigar down and all of those things are the same thing in another cigar. It just kind of depends. Sure. It's not like, it, there's no like mathematical configuration like, oh, I like that cigar. I want to make one just like it. That doesn't happen that way. You can tr- certainly try. You can, you can, look, how, how did I say this? Well, you and I were talking a couple weeks ago. I'm like, look, you can have two completely identical cigars, okay? Meaning that wrapper, binder, filler, percentages, in region of growth, fermentation, shelf age, post-roll age, box delivered the same day, right? 
they will not be the same score. Exactly. Like, okay, so Never. I probably Never. like a it's San Andreas wrapper. Okay, we could spend a lot of fucking time just working on that wrapper. Because there are some wrappers that are this way, there are some this way. I tend to like some toothiness in my wrapper and whatever. And there's just all, I mean, you have to really spend some time to really figure the one that is your God Almighty that blows you away. But in general, and even when you get that, I mean, when we first picked out the Cyclops, when we finally got to us, it was better. It was not the same cigar that we sampled. It was close, but it was better. And the thing with that, like, so when I was going through the blending and, like, talking, you know, because I'm not in Nicaragua. We're not in Nicaragua through this whole blending process. So it was like, hey, roll us some sticks, right? Let's get into them. Okay, so then we were like, okay, I want to take this and put it here. And I took the wrapper on this one and wrapped around this one. And it was smoking. Yeah, let's do this. And kept going, 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 going. About seven, eight months later, we land on this blend. And I'm like, okay, dope. Right? So then we smoked through the 10 of those over the next two months. Every time we got together, and we were like, we're ready to roll. Let's do it. So when they rolled these, they rolled a hundred of them at a time, right? Because right. you're not going to go to a roller and be like, hey, roll 10 of these. Right. It's, the production doesn't make any fucking sense, right? Um, so they rolled them. So when we got the initial order on the Cyclops, when we got the first 85 cigars, right? Because they had to go back and roll them, you know oh, what I mean? Sure. So we got those 85 cigars. Those cigars had already been sitting another eight months. Mm-hmm. You know, so we got those. Then about three months later, we started, we set up the accounts, pushing them out. So now, even now when we get our Cyclops shipped in, every single one of those cigars, right? You know, we're rolling 8,000 a year now. Each time we pull, every hundred that comes is anywhere between seven and nine months older. Like when we get this big dump at the end of the year, these cigars have been sitting for almost a year. Right. And they're coming over. You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be a completely different experience if we just went, okay, the contract roll for this year is 10,000 units. They take the you know the month to roll 10,000 units, and they arrive two weeks later. Right. Then we would have to sit on them and pull them right. as we went. But what's unique now is that they're coming out of the cedar rooms, and each one, like, dude, there's some that come in, and we get to them, we're labeling them, and, like... <laughs> I'll package his up separate and then the ones I keep. Because dude, just look at me like, God damn it, that's pretty. Right. Not that any of the other ones are extra ugly. There's just like, out of every hundred, there's like whoa, 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 whoa. eight Wait, or nine that are mean, real you're, pretty. Your packaging setup, okay, that one goes to Hodge, the bourbon cowboy. This one goes to me. This one goes no, to me. No, no, no. When I put them away and I'm it sounded done, like that though. No, what oh, I'm saying is I'll go through. Him, I'm like, I, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like when I'm going through them, they all get labeled and I put them away. They're usually Usually ends up being like ten now or twelve. I know that are over quality here. controls. All yes. about. I check that shit every week, dude. <laughs> but see, that's what you have to do. You have to. Right. Well, and then there's that thing too that a lot of people don't understand. Out of every hundred cigars, we get about fifteen of them go on the trash. Just because when they get they don't no, go in the no, 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 I'm serious. I'm being they dead go serious. So much you smoke. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. They'll come in and like the pigtail or the shag, right? 
you know, there's a fissure crack up the left side of the cigar because it got mixed. Right. You can't sell that. You know, I don't want anybody buying that and going, oh shit. No, you're out of your mind. So, and then you look at it, and there are times I'll put flame to it, but you know as well, you all know as well as I yeah, do. Yeah, it ain't gonna work. If that fissure is there, and it's deep enough, and you light it, you hear it, you hear it go. The whole thing just They is go gone. in the trash. It sucks. But I mean, that's the important part too. It's like also like as we're storing them, every Monday morning I pull them out and it's like, well, oh shit, maybe did I put this tray on wrong? And it's happened. You know, I've had the tray crooked in the humidor and the back two in the back, you know, the tray indents in the in the cigar. I'm like, can't do shit with that. They gotta go. You know? And that's how you do it. Now, everybody does that on a much, 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 much larger scale. Right. But it's very important that you do that. You know, oh, I, I attribute that to the same thing like in bourbon or in, in whiskey, period. You have tasters that are going through, I don't know if it's daily or if it's weekly or what it is. They go through and they taste. And right? they roll barrels. Yeah. And There's a lot of times if you have a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old age statement, that barrel may have been popped at six years and eight months, right? Because for whatever reason, its placement reached, you know, that that taste profile that's needed, and you pull it and you move it, you know? Well, that's my, I don't know the process in bourbon or any of the alcohols at all. And I barely know the process in cigars. And I don't look at that as a negative on me, because one of the things that I have coming up in January is I'm going to Nicaragua. Nice. And I'm going to walk in the fields, and I'm going to be in the house, and I'm you know, I'm going to see it and get my hands dirty so that then I can talk with some authority on that side of it, which I can't do right now. That's a conversation I had with a guy the other day who was wanting to get a cigar, and he's like, look, dude, I just know that I enjoy them, and that's all I know. And I'm like, that's all you need to know. You don't, you don't have to know everything about the damn cigar to enjoy it, right? Not everybody's got to be a professional, okay? You don't have to do that. And that term's loose, professional. It's very, very loose, right? You don't have to. You don't have to be a nerd about something to enjoy it. Exactly. You don't have to, right? It's it's like I I used this show the other day because we'll talk about Yellowstone here in a minute. Just because you watch Yellowstone doesn't mean you got to be a fucking cowboy. Fair enough. You don't have to. You skunk hair. I'm the farthest thing from a cowboy. Fucking love that show. Which I am laughing. And it always seems like I'm bringing up funny things. But on the Instagram now, they have, like... Yellowstone Watcher, year one. Yep. And he's sitting there with a Well, beer. that guy, those are funny. Yeah. And then yeah. by the end of five, him and his wife have saddle chairs in the front yep. row. Yeah. And they got their glasses and their cowboy hats. <laughs> and now their kid has a little cowboy One of the hat. funniest ones I saw was, uh, it's a guy in a suit and tie that says, week one, listening to Blink-182. Then week two, his jacket comes off. Week three, his shirt's untucked. Week four, the tie's undone, and he's singing with his hat sideways. He's got tattoos on his face, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, like those scenarios, they're, they're funny. It's, it's good. But, um, okay, before we get to Yellowstone, let's finish these, and then we'll get into this bottle I'm very excited about. Yes. And I am incredibly hoping this tastes good. Oh, I agree. Because <laughs> this was an impulse buy, but you see why. Nobody's upset that I did it. I agree. No, no it's like batshit nutty looking. I mean, now I'm assuming that some sort of Japanese samurai. It is. I'll explain all that. Yeah. Anyway. It's a. It's a. I'll explain all that. But all right. So 
let's talk about Robert Caldwell and Caldwell cigars. Yes. Okay, so we're smoking the Eastern Standard, which is the Maduro version. I'm sorry, we're smoking the Midnight, Midnight Express, Express, which is the Maduro version of the Eastern Standard. Yeah. So the Eastern Standard is what we smoke together at Montrose. Only difference, same label, only it was gray and white, or silver and black. Right. Yeah. So now, Tom Caldwell. So it's an Ecuadorian wrapper again. You got Dominican binder and filler. Ecuador Maduro. Right, yes. Maduro. But it's still, it's Ecuadorian. That's the basis of it. You've got Dominican binder and then Dominican and Nicaraguan filler. So a worldly cigar. Sure. Would you not say that? I mean, you're hitting three very huge tobacco growing regions. To They're all within 100 miles of each other. Right. Yeah, we'll call it worldly. Yeah. Right. I mean, all right, Central American. Central American. But, again, as we stated at the beginning, the man does not like Maduro's for whatever reason. I don't care. Not my problem. I just love the cigar. And he did a great job producing uh, and we all know the unfortunate business that happened with them where their factory burned down. I mean, nothing left. And there's going to be some stuff that is no longer coming back, like the Eastern Standard Sun Grown. And I know there's a few others that have been put out that are not coming back or may come back. You know, it's it's still up in the air right now. I don't know all the particulars. Well, they moved all production, right? Yes, yeah. for now, until William Ventura rebuilds. Because they, the William Ventura family is phenomenal people. Let's be clear. I, I when I first met, oh my God, you would have thought we were friends for 20 years. I was invited to dinner, blah, 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 you know, just parked, just right in. No, no lag time, no, oh, this guy's a broker? Because we all know that brokers have a stigma within the cigar industry. Let's be clear. Well, so we're going to get to that point, but we're going to do that with the next four. So just kind of go on about La Barba. So, Tony Bellotto, La Barba Cigar. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm getting there. Robert Caldwell, Caldwell Cigars, work pretty close together. They are not identical by any means, but they also share Down and Back. But they also share Lost and Back. Which is Down and Back. Yeah. It's, it's a... One is distribution, the other is small er cigar or rum. small bags, old blends, right. etc. Yeah. That they found a long time ago, brought them out in the paper packaging, which is now caught on with other people. So what's lost and found is doing is they're actually doing box runs now. They've switched up the model from what it was as these lost and found cigars in whatever factory and putting them in brown paper with a goofy name and selling it to an actual box run. That's a bummer. But they had to because everybody's caught on to what they were doing and there's a lot of people doing it. So they changed up their model because what's Caldwell's motto? Either run with us or run from us. Right. You know, and that's his thing. He's not going to stay static. He is brilliant. And there's a whole lot of people out there that they talk about Robert Caldwell. Oh, he's aloof. He is this. No, the man is brilliant. I make no bones about that. Is he a little standoffish if, he's, if you're not in that inner circle? Yes. Oh, yeah. But that's okay. I mean, not everybody is as extroverted as we are. Right. Uh, 
just a phenomenal guy, both of them. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. All right. What has been one of the best parts about being a broker? Okay. Don't answer that just yet. But as far as we've been through United and we're into Caldwell now, don't answer that just yet. But what has been the best part about being a broker? Hey guys, FFK here. Make sure to tune into every episode of Crafting Boodle. And don't forget that as listeners, you guys receive a 15% discount on the entire order when you shop at my store. Promo code CRAFTBOODLE15. Once again, CRAFTBOODLE15. Make sure you follow me at Instagram at FFK underscore stands so you can receive that discount. And once again, thanks for listening and thanks for enjoying the podcast. So to me, the best part about being a broker opposed to a specific cigar company rep is that I get to deal with multiple wonderful people in the industry at a a company level. If you are a rep for Craft and Pura, that's who you work for. And you go out every day and you sell Craft and Pura cigars and you do your best to represent that company in the most positive light you can. I get to do that for five companies. And we all know that these are five uniquely different people. Uh, Mickey Pegg is one of the most dynamic people I know as far as just vibrant, moving, on the go, chop, 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 let's do it. Robert and Tony, they're a little bit more laid back as we've all come to understand that they all make great cigars in their own right, but two different approaches. Then you take Big Scott. They have a much more... We're going to work with you and help you to do your job, but we're going to stay a little bit more in the background. And then United, I mean, Dave has got his own podcast. He's got his own retail. Cigar Authority, too, yeah. Yes. And Two Guys Smoke Shop is one of the largest shops in the Northeast. Right. And he's right there, and Dave, I'm having trouble doing this. How do I fix that? And he will help you, I mean, figure out what the problem is and how to fix it. So out of my five companies that I represent, I've got five different, distinctly different uh, uh, leads on how I can do my job. Mickey, hey, Mickey Peg, I need to have you in St. Louis for this event. Where can we make it work? And he'll come to St. Louis. Which he has twice to be with us. Right. Yeah. That's his mantra. He wants to be there. Face forward. This is who I am. This is what I sell. Let's make it work. And again, Robert, Tony, they're a little more hands off. If I call either one of them, hey, can I use the logo? I got an event. Yes, go. Right. I have to ask because it's not my logo to just use. But they are very helpful when needed, if that makes any sense at all. For sure. For sure. That's the difference. Also, the last thing I'm going to throw out is a broker versus a rep. There's two schools of thought. One, they work for me because it's my company that I represent them. I look at it more, my school of thought is, we are a partner. Because if I can sell cigars, 
and I get into a shop with Big Sky, well, somewhere down the line, they're going to end up with All Saints, United, Caldwell, LaBar, somewhere. Ideally. Right, ideally. My thing that I would say about a broker, and I'm not a broker, we own Craft and Bureau, we're owners, but the thing that I've always put up about, you know, a lot of people have asked me over the years why I haven't gone and rep for a company. Well, my thing is, is, is a little bit of the honesty factor, right? There are very few companies out there that I smoke the length of their product list, right? I couldn't see myself going to work for, uh, you know, Altidus and sitting around talking about Monte Cristo Classic and literally having to bullshit my enjoyment in the meeting, right? Right. Now I can tell you, look, if you're if you're a mild smoker and you want the floral side of things and you really enjoy it, it's gonna be a phenomenal cigar. I'm not gonna sit in and do it, you know? Maybe that's a, a fault, right? But the freedom that you have as a broker is nobody's hiring you, right? Yes, it is your company. And once you audition or interview and the company decides to work for you, or work with you, I should say, sorry. Right. You're actually out hunting companies that you want to represent because you're all about the company, right? I mean, I, I think I think that's the ultimate freedom you get is being a broker. You know, now if you land that dream job in, in your favorite cigar company, well, shit, good for you, man. That's that's awesome. And I really, really feel now we have a great group of reps in the Midwest. Yeah, I, all, I think we do. In the Midwest, all of these individuals that work for these companies, you can tell that they're about the company. Now, I've met reps from the West Coast, the East Coast, I will not put company names out there, that they'll tell you as soon as business hours stop, they're not smoking their stuff anymore. They're going over to what they want to smoke, you know? So, um, and that's and that, that sucks, but I get it. I mean, two funny little stories, and I won't take up a lot of time on this. One, you actually made a very valid point. TPE last year, I didn't go out there because any of my companies were there or not. Because at that time, I was still just Caldwell and the Barber. But I had a list and a plan that I was expanding to five companies. And I knew exactly who I was going to do the high pressure on and who I wasn't. And I ended up getting two of those companies out of my list of five that I wanted to be a representative for. And the number one on that list, without being disrespectful to anybody I carried, was awesome. Everything I had heard, the cigars I had already smoked, I was just, all right, this is a great cigar. This is a product that I can stand on. Yeah, that dedication is fire, man. Yeah. And I did not have an issue going, I will put my name behind this cigar without doubt. So I made it a, and I think I said this the last time we were on and when we were over at the shop over at Lick. I targeted All Saints as the number one company I wanted to bring into my fold and represent. The second company was United. And thankfully, I got both of my one and two on my list. Now, three and four didn't want anything to do with me. And that's fine, it happens. Not everybody wants to have brokers. 
And then it did, I didn't pick up Big Sky till PCA when I met with Jess. We sat and talked, and I really loved the cigars and went, man, again, a cigar. I, can, I have zero heartburn saying I can smoke any one of those cigars any day of the week. And that's, that's a beautiful fact of it. Right. That's the best part. I do enjoy it. Okay. Yes. What do we think about Midnight Express? <laughs> I don't know if you're looking at me. Well, I'll both of you. You asked, he looked. It's kind of funny because I feel like this cigar is has a lot of the notes, and this is what I've said before. It has a lot of the same notes as the first one, the firecracker we did. It has the same, obviously uh, some of it is from the same region, but this one has a little same earthy tones and whatever. Um, I still get a little cokey uh, taste out of this, but the retro hail has a really nice retro hail on it. It's really enjoyable. Um, and so far, it's been burning really good. I mean, I, I can't find any fault with it. Yeah, I agree. This is actually, uh, next to Anastasia, I think this is my favorite um, Robert Caldwell release. Uh, I really do. Um, the cocoa on this, I definitely 100,000% agree. Oh, yeah. Um, and the amount of magnesium in this cigar is insane. Like ghostly white ash. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's such a prime tobacco that's used. I, I don't know what percentages or location or what, but it's, it's beautiful. Um, construction of this cigar is beautiful. Light, lights out. That's the always been my number one thing about this cigar. I've smoked this in the wind and the rain. Like, this damn thing will hold up anywhere. And I think, personally, I think it's the strongest thing that he makes. Strength side. Uh, Mad Mofo, a lot of people will say that, but I think that's more of a body mix-up. This is the strongest cigar that I think Robert Caldwell makes. I don't know that answer. I don't either. I'm just saying from what... And I haven't smoked all of Caldwell, right. but when you look at Eastern Standard, Long Live the King, The King is Dead, uh, Midnight Express, Anastasia is my... I, I think that's one of the best things he's ever done. But I think this is the strongest cigar he makes. And for me, it's The King is Dead. Yeah. Now, this is a very close second. But I just, I fell in love with The King is Dead the very, very first time I smoked it. And a lot of that has to do with the wrapper for me. Sure. It's the Negretto yeah. wrapper on it. And you get that immediate taste bump from it. Yes. Yeah. But again, to me, this is such a close second that I don't want to sit here. I got asked the other day, what's your favorite all-time cigar? I said, I don't have a single favorite. I can give you a box of 10 that I think are my favorite. I don't even think, we, we were talking about this the other day. So in our episode in a few weeks, we're going to do our top five of 22 spirits and cigars. Now, I went back and listened to the past two years of this the other day. We never say five. It's like we do five, and it's always like three or four that we add in, and then later in the episode they pop back up. Well, sure. You know, because it's so hard to do. Like, if I ask you dead stop right now, what's your favorite cigar? 
Oh, you're asking. Right now, what's your favorite scar? I couldn't come up with it. What's your favorite scar? Alfonso number four. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't have one. Um, I think that's hard for guys who smoke a lot of cigars, too, right? Well, it's got to be. Well, I'm just saying for all three of us to say, what's your favorite cigar, especially guys like us who smoke so many different cigars, and I know because I got the frickin' labels, to pick one because I think we get on like it's like uh, it's like surfing it's like tell me your your best wave I don't know man there's been a lot of great waves you just you catch certain cigars there was at certain the, times there was that the are big really one, good and then there was that great break that one yeah. morning right now it's easier what's your current favorite cigar in Craft and Bureau um I would say I'm still kind of hung up on the Cyclops. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but right now, the Reaper's my favorite blend we've done. Yeah. I like the smoke output. I really like the spice, the sweetness transfer. It's great. What's your favorite cigar currently in your selection that you're broking? The Alfonso number Okay, four. there you go. All right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's an easier question. It's also easier. What's the best cigar you smoked today? Oh, right. right. What, what's, the, what's the best cigar you smoked this month? Right. It's easier to, rec- to, to recall that and play with it. But that's also like all the time, right? I get that question every day and then I get the other one. What's your favorite bourbon? Shit, I'm not drinking right now. I don't know. Well, and for me, when I get off work, thing. let's have a couple pours. I'll tell you which one I'm really enjoying. <laughs> you well, know, but again, you though, for me, those way. cigars are based on where I'm at, what time of day. Because if you ask me the same question tonight at 8 o'clock after I've had a full day, my palate's different than it is right now. 100%. And it's mostly spent. Right. Right? So, you know, like we can talk all the time. It's like one of the best cars I've ever had. Super Bowl 2019. We smoked Partigas number four Maduros, right? Chiefs won the Super Bowl. That cigar is literally melted in. It was it was blown right. up. Pack five. Blown up. Was that four or five then? Five. Yeah, it's eight now. Five. It was the yellow label. Yeah, so it was five, and then we did these Partigas Maduro number fours. Boom. I think also too, it is like, what's your most memorable? Because. We smoke a lot of cigars, but then there's that one that just was memorable. Right. Like, I always bring up the Miami 15. That yep. came out of fucking nowhere. Well, that blew you to fucking win. Right. And then, um, all of a sudden, I had a Juarez. And, and I probably smoked a Juarez, and then I smoked the smaller version well, you had of that. Had, yeah, you had had the Willie Yeah, Lee's and then I had a smaller version of the Juarez. I don't know they call that the buckshot size or whatever, yeah, but I was like, wow, that's different. And I mean, you just catch these memorable moments with some. Exactly. And um, and I think that's a big part of it. But, you know, I, I Lars Teton a long time ago told me, you know, like, every cigar is different. It, it's like meeting a girl and hanging out with her uh, for the night. You just don't know how it's going to go. Some nights really go well, some don't. But it's an experience all its own every time you, you smoke a group of cigars or whatever. Some are more memorable than others, but this particular one was really good. And I love this one as the smoke on this draw is crazy. Yes, it is. Like, like uh, for example, you don't see any smoke right now. But when I draw on that, there's an abundance yeah. of almost and I'm not, slight creamy 
really amazing smoke that comes up and rolls around right and then it dissipates for example there's nothing coming on the store i'm not changing right. my draw speed now the reaper you're going to get incredible draw smoke and when you let that thing go it's still smoking right. i didn't change my draw speed i'm not pulling anymore that thing it's is a still ball, man. pulling smoke and moving this one has a very unique thing about it the smoke and the draw is amazing no doubt so i want to hit on one thing and what you said about okay. well, hang on while you're doing that uh bourbon cowboy why don't you turn that ball around and show the patreon yes. and then how about you undress that samurai and uh we pour that thing up so you guys made a, a, a conscious statement which i love and that's the impact of a situation and how a cigar files into your memory. 100%. So I'm going to, and I'm going to probably screw up the name of the cigar, but I believe it was the Boulevard Bellicoso something. It was a Cuban cigar. Oh, I mean, wow, yeah. Nine years ago yesterday, yeah. I got married in Jamaica. And I'm knee deep in the water. My current beautiful wife, Vic, is with me, of course. That's how I got married. Wasn't a guy. Uh, hey, it's 2022. It's cool, dude. Yeah, it's we said our I do's, and we walk out of the water. You know, we got these Jamaicans there that were our, uh, our witnesses to the wedding. And my beautiful wife gave me a boulevard. Real Cuban. She said, this is yours for our wedding day. Now, I don't know if that cigar was a great cigar or if it was banana leaves. But I'll tell you right now, that is still in here as the greatest cigar I ever smoked. Because it was on my wedding day to my wife and... Sure. Okay, I get that. So it's a memory that's held on. Yes. Right. That's that's going to happen, which is great. And I've smoked some since, and they're good cigars, yeah. but not as good as that day. Is as I remember that day. That's exactly the point I was making. Thank you for that. You're welcome. All right. So we're gonna do our inaugural cheers on this. Now this is the Yamato uh, Samurai Collection Japanese whiskey. Whoa. The licorice? What is that? I don't know, but I'm trying to figure out what I'm hitting off of that. All right, we're okay, all so quiet. that did immediately what I thought it would do with being Japanese whiskey. It's almost absent when you pull it on. You drink it, now you get your taste. It's yeah. almost got kind of a piney nose to it. Okay, there, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, like a Christmas pine? Yeah, you know, like, like black licorice, the, the, your the Christmas trees. Yeah. It's got a, a pine kind of nose, but then when it gets on your tongue, you can taste like that. Whatever's in that licorice oil or whatever on that, that resonates. But as soon as it goes in there, it's like oof. it's almost absent when it comes in, but right? See, I don't and get what, isn't the samurai supposed to be so aloof? Yeah, okay. It's like once it hits your palate, and then it gives you a little, a little uh, excitement, and then it's oof, gone. So what you guys saw on the Patreon and what everybody else see on the social media is this bottle has a complete samurai dress that goes on top of it, and I will tell you right now, it was an impulse buy. When I found out that that bottle came with that dress. $135 later, done. Didn't care. 
Now, there is a long story about it. So when you look at the samurai on the bottle and the old artwork, it is the same armor that was wore. Apparently, there's going to be a series of these that release with honoring different samurai through the years. And I will own all of them. There's no doubt about that. Um, but this is, what I will tell you immediately that I do like about this is the kind of ghostly appearance of the whiskey itself. When you drink this, when you pull it in, the nose disappears, it hits your palate, you drink it, then you taste it. It's almost like it's it's been hit with, with a numbing agent as soon as it hits your tongue, but you're not losing any sense value, which is absolutely wild. It's super light. I do agree now with that with that pine note, especially here. That is pine. But see, pine, I didn't licorice. get pine until I had a drink. Well, that's what's crazy for me. It's hitting my tongue, and like I know my my palate's not burnt. I know that because the cigar is so phenomenal. But it's what makes this such a unique pairing already is for me that absent taste when it hits your tongue. Then you swallow it, and then you breathe and you taste it. Then draw the cigar. You're creating this this black like cocoa nib licorice kind of fucking play. That's out. It, it's insane. I found it amusing though because Cowboy said he got the pine off, and I put my nose in. And I went, I got nothing. Then I took a drink and went, holy shit, I got the pine, or the what I. It's because there's a difference in like an ouzo licorice flavor and an IPA pine flavor. And this is somewhere in between the two. There's yeah. something else in there get, and I don't have the technical term for it, but. Maybe I just don't drink enough Japanese. That is, so, I'll tell you, that's so different than Yamazaki 18 and so different than Habiki. It's so it's different. Good. No, it's very good. Wow. Super light. I know, but it's got, it's super light, but it's got so much retro flavor. There's so much else. You want to move to another one? And to be honest with you, I'm thinking while this you is guys not a did. bad. Uh, this is not a bad pairing not for this either. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna save this because I'm gonna smoke the rest of that later. But all right, do we go to uh, Big Well, we Star? need to do, we should do Big Sky. Because we haven't done Big Sky. Well, because Star. we've got, so why don't we talk about the, uh, what was it called? Cryptic. cryptic. Yeah. Our cryptic. So, and of course, I didn't bring that one. No, don't bring that one. We had that one. Don't like it. But he's got, so I wondered about the label, the cool label. So he brought us the display book for Big Sky. And in the back, apparently, in that, that river in Montana, they have their own Loch Ness Monster story. And it is that Got lizard it. guy in the water. So that's why they named it that. Yeah, Personally, weird ass looking fish. On that sure. cigar, I wish it wasn't done in that short 60. Well, okay, fair enough. Drop that into a Robusto or a Toro. I really think that size manifestation would, would do so much better on the cigar. Well, I, I really understand. Do. I'm with you. So, before you read that, Check this out from Stone Tribe. We'll be right back in a second. We're going to pick us out a cigar, and you'll join us back with the cut and light. You're listening to Stone Tribe on the Craft and Puro podcast. Download our brand new song, Island Time, and help us raise money for United Cerebral Palsy. 25% of our profits go to help families pay for desperately needed medical equipment and procedures. 
Connect with Stone Tribe at stonetribemusic.com for music and the latest Stone Tribe merch. You showed me right at the beginning. Right, so we're reading about the cryptid, and we're gonna grab, we're gonna grab some big sky and yeah. dance it up. And you guys are gonna take all this shit with you when we're done. Okay. This is all for you guys. Well, we'll split it up and we'll smoke some. We'll hand some out to the Patreon too. So all you guys watching the video, uh, we'll, before when we shut the podcast down, we'll do a little five, ten minute segment, whatever, on the video. Uh, run out half our video status for the month, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, we're going to send some of this off to you guys. Uh, and watch the video because I can't type this in the description because if I do, it gets flat. But uh, we're going to send off about ten cigars to... Actually, everyone's going to get two cigars. And here's what, what I'm going to do. Not you, though. I'm not sending you any cigars. God, I hope yeah. not. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I'm going to reach out to my bosses. I'll get some boxes sent up specifically to send out so you can break them up to send them out to the Patreons. Oh, that's perfect, man. You know, Thank you, dude. I want sure. everybody to be able to enjoy this. And I realize that not everybody gets the opportunities that we do. Sure, 100%. So if we send them out, they like it, they go to their shop, hey, you need to bring this in, dude. That just makes it better for me. I know that's kind of a shitty way to look at it, but nevertheless, it is a true statement. High tide raises all the ships. Yes, it does. And in all the storms, true north is always true north. So don't worry about it. That is um, all right, so you picked out the cigars. Yes. Why don't uh, you talk about that while Hodge is reading? Let's get those right, cut. So Hodge has got it. Um, I don't know if I can show this to you. They are getting ready to fire the Madison, which is a river up in Montana. Uh, that's the namesake. You are not going to go wrong at all. Put that away. And it's got... Oh, um, sorry. No, you're all right. Um, what's really funny, it's got a Havana wrapper and a San Andreas uh, binder. binder. And then it's filled with different regions through Esteli. Right. It's all Nicaraguan from your Anyway, I've smoked these blends before, and that's what I'm just saying. That it's funny you can smoke the same blends and how different they are. Right. So and the the wrapper is just so smooth and beautiful. One of the things that I love about the brands that I represent is consistency. Uh, if I smoke the Big Sky Madison or the Big Sky Bighorn, within a certain degree of uh, reality, they're going to be the same cigar. They stay consistent. If I smoke All Saints, every All Saints I smoke in the dedication line, in the Colorado, the St. Francis, Colorado, or the St. Francis. They are consistent with the line that they are produced in. And it goes back to what we were talking about, control. If you have good quality control, your cigars stay consistent. Now, are there differences stick by stick? Sure there are. But the consistency because of the quality control that these guys put into their cigars, 
within a realistic expectation, the Madison is the Madison is the Madison. If you smoke that one and I give you one out of a box six months from now, you're gonna go, yep, that's the Madison I smoked six months ago. That's my opinion. And I hold my opinion fairly high, because, well, it's mine. <laughs> I didn't say anybody else held it high. I said I do. Are you smoking the same thing? No, you guys are smoking that. I'm working on mine. Because, you know, I am an idiot and can't count. I'm just a firefighter. This is true. You spend more time sitting than you do fighting, huh? And I thought that I grabbed three of everything. And as I look in my box of the Madison and the Big Sky, I only grabbed two. So I'm going to leave those for you guys. You smoke them. I've got plenty of other cigars I can smoke. Just got to find something I have three of. Are you leaving all that with us? Yes. How can I expect you to smoke it and tell everybody what you think if I don't leave it for you? This is true. Uh, do you still have that booklet? Yeah, it's right here. The Madison. So, what do you want to know? The Bono wrapper. Well, I'll test you now. Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. So you got Habano wrapper. It's Nicaraguan filler with, I want to say, a San Andreas binder. All right. I believe I'm correct with that. You are. All right. Well, I'm just... So uh, I want to ask this. So everything they do is out of Nicaragua. Yes. Who is their blender? I don't know who their blender is. I bet it I know. It's Factory. Yeah. Is that because they don't want to release that that's something that they it's don't. a question i've never asked well oh. it's also in, in in my in my mindset that i think this goes into a lot of the uh online education that a lot of people have kind of slammed into um a lot of people start asking this question nowadays about what factory what family what this what that and when you don't lead with a big name some people go uh, put their noses up, right? And I'm like, okay, well, how about this? Like, like I've said, and we've talked about a hundred fucking times. Like when we start releasing our boxes and stuff, black and white's our game, man. It's very minute detail about what the cigar is on the box. I am more impressed by tobacco. What does the cigar do? And because to be honest, not nine times out of ten, but most of the time when you get a good looking cigar with a big flashy box, big flashy label, the cigars, you know, right. good cigar, but did it need all the glamour? I don't think so. But, well, you know, again, who am I? What I know is that these guys, Big Scott, they have Warriors and Calm Water as their charity. It's theirs. And a percentage of every single box that they sell goes to their charity. And what it is is veterans and first responders that have PTSD syndrome. Uh, whatever CTE anything like right. that. Right. Yeah. You name it, if you have something that's affected you as that first responder slash veteran, they bring you up to Montana. It's all through their uh, charity. They teach you how to fly fish. 
and they take you out fly fishing, hence Warriors in Calm Water. Yeah. And it's a phenomenal program that these guys run, and it's very heartfelt for them. It's not something they're doing to sell their cigars, because did you know that before I just said it? I had no idea. I had seen, uh, I will say that I've seen the, the, the fishing box, or the tackle box. I'll show that. That, that, that. Show that to the Patreon, but I've seen that just through Big Sky's Instagram. Right. right. But it, no, I don't think. I'm, I have never seen it put out on social media that a portion of our sales goes to our charity well, that's so that we can support these veterans that need support. And because they do it so under the radar, I was that much more enamored with bringing them on board. Besides the fact that I really enjoy their cigars, I was like, okay, you're doing things to help. And I'm a veteran. United States Air Force, if you really want to call me a veteran, it was the Air Force. Uh, I served during the first Persian Gulf War. Not a darn thing happened to me that I didn't cause. Let's be clear. But these guys do this to help veterans and first responders. So I'm all I'm for that 100%. And since we just mentioned the tackle box, this is the Bighorn Fly Box. In this, you get five cigars, one metal cutter, and twelve hand-tied fly fishing ties. Is that good enough for you? Yeah, that's great. All in one box. Now, you know, I'm not personally a fly fisherman. I don't even hardly eat fish. I love seafood, but that's that. But for somebody that's a avid fisherman, fly fisherman, that's kind of a cool little thing they do. I like it. Yeah, it's way different than anything I've seen on the market. It is. And one thing I want to give Big Sky, uh, we'll talk about the scar. I want to get a little further into the scar before Mm -hmm. anything else, but I love the interior armor. Oh, yeah. I love the the Yellowstone River. Is it the Green River? Is that the other river? Uh, It's the Madison. Madison, sorry. Madison, Yellowstone. The Yellowstone and the Big One. So I did want to point one thing out, though. Hit that book real quick. Which one? The book. The the book. So I I asked you, I was like, hey, did they name the Yellowstone after the show or no? No, it's not. It's named after the river, but does that not look like Rip? It does. Okay, so there's a little play of action in there. Just but it's, it's not Rip. Let's I clear. know it's not, but real quick, if I go, hey, who's that? Yo, oh, it's Rip. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, though, man. This cigar is right off the bat, and I really punched it to get into it about a half inch already. But um, I think you're going to find this really interesting because... I can't get a retro hail on this. And I don't know what your draw is like. Mine's not, it's not super hard, but it's like from the Codwell to this, the draw is way different. But I'm trying to get a retro hail and it just dissipates. Can you, can you get anything up through your nose? So I, I can I can push the smoke. I can retro it. But what I mean, I'm finding what I'm finding unique is 
there's kind of a side palate spice to it. Like it kind of rides the side of your tongues. It's, it's not really a sweetness, but it's more of like a, a, a meaty texture, like an umami. Is that how you say it? Edamame. Not edamame, no. But I don't know the vegan word for whatever. It's got a meaty texture to it. But what's crazy to me is when I push the retro, there's, it's not a difference. Like no. it's the same. Nothing's happening. Cigar. Okay. Which it's that's I've never I can't tell you a cigar that it hasn't. Normally, you know, like when you push through your nose for the retro, you you pick. That's where a lot of your heavier spices or sweetnesses come from because you're enacting your entire palate. Right. But it's the same cigar, which is really unique. I'm not I'm not mad at it at all. Really okay. unique. I appreciate it. It's that a dense that cigar. It's solid smoke. Again, look how white that ash is. Oh, yeah. All right, so talk some Big Sky. Well, so as I said, Big Sky, the one you're smoking is the Madison. We also have the Bighorn which I can show the Bighorn, which obviously has a very dark Maduro wrapper. Is that what you're smoking? No. Stop. <laughs> the Professor or El Professor. The Mad Minnow, which is kind of a very unique sort of perfecto. It's a very, it's like a Corona perfecto. Yeah, what do you want to call that? I mean, I'm not Have even we sure. smoked that? I haven't. Well, you will because it's in the box. Okay. Uh, and then there's also the bitter root, which is, and all of Bighorn is medium body. There's nothing Bighorn that's super kick you in the nuts heavy cigars. They are phenomenal, easy to smoke, everyday medium bodied cigars. Yeah. And then the newest, which we discuss, is the Cryptic, uh, which is apparently the uh, Montana Loch Ness Monster. Hey, we're going to make that catch on. Right. Which, that story I got to say, for that cigar, I smoked it out at uh, Cigar Vault, and um, it had a bad start for me, but then there was about two inches of that where it was working pretty good. So, I mean, you know, it's like any of these cigars, you got you to kind of smoke them through and give them a chance to evolve. Some start strong, some get going through the middle. It just, you know, you just have to try them. But this right. is a very mild, um, very easy going smoke. This um, is? Yeah. For me. Okay. I will agree so far on strength, it's more to the mild side. Right. Body wise, though, it's got a lot of fun flavor to it. It does. There's a lot of that crystalline kind of pop rocky that I love, I like the lake rims that the ground nuts does. It's it's there, but it's the wrapper's so smooth. It's well, this is real similar to the wrapper we tried on. Was it the the hooligan? Well, what I laugh is Brandon leaves Friday. He's heading back down to Escalade. Uh, Mickey is in Escalade, so you know all my owners are down doing their final visit of the year. 
finally got a retro hail on it. So, again, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, look at that ash it's holding. That is great construction. No, no. What are you smoking? A cigar. <laughs> what cigar? And we're just going to move on. What are you smoking? No. What are you smoking? No. I'm not going to answer you, your questions. Because it's my not podcast. But it's not Big Sky. And you guys, I didn't have a third Big Sky. I don't care. What are you smoking? I, I'm smoking the Bighorn. No, you're not. <laughs> Watch me. And that just means I'm going to have to get you some. That's now. one less Bighorn for us, man. See? This is what he did, cowboy. No, it's not about being chicken. I'm trying to go brand by brand for me. I just didn't bring enough. I was an idiot. I admit it freely. I'm a firefighter by trade. And my problem is... What are you saying? Well, because I'm proud of it. Shut up. You're a cigar broker by trade. No, I will be in two and a half years full-time. Oh, okay. Right now, it's part-time. And I by trade of a football player for at least... So, 16 years. No, but I'm about that to plays like my personal favorite Big Horn cigar, or Big Sky cigar, which is the okay. Big Horn. This to me is what I look for in a cigar. Okay. I get good flavor. It is not. We've all known that person that's new to cigar smoking and they buy a cigar that's entirely too much for a new cigar smoker. And well, that's that's at fault of the, the retailer. Right. The retail. I totally yes. agree, but they still do it. Because, all right, scenario. I work retail, you work retail, cowboy doesn't work. We get it. Whoa. <laughs> no, no, no. So, Let's just hold on. I am a contractor. Uh, <laughs> all right, so. A gazillion I, hours. I apologize. I do work. Let me rephrase I don't know that. Where that I work retail, oh you work retail. Cowboy doesn't work. So anyway. In no, that's not true. You know the funniest part about this? I have a cigar line with you, and then I do 70 to 100 fucking remodels a year, and I don't work. Okay. All right, let's move on. Let's go. All right, so. We're, we're still in the funniest damn thing we've had on here in a while. That was great. Cowboy doesn't work. We're still oh there. So, all right. at any rate. I'm going to get a t-shirt made like that. Cowboy don't work. You're right. <laughs> Ain't no work done here. So you get these kids that are going to retail. Oh, yeah. I, I smoke cigars all the time. Generally, I smoke Cuban, but, you know. And, you know, you're looking at this kid going, dude. I got socks older than you. You don't smoke Cuban. Well, sure, you? but even in that mindset, I smoke Cuban. You're not going for a full strength, full body cigar. No. Sorry. And you, they, yeah. And then they walk over and what do they grab? A uh, Liga 9 or, you know, whatever full body cigar you happen to have in your store. Well, I want this. I said, sir, just for the record, you might not want to go there since what you've told me is you enjoy Cubans. You might want to try and go this direction. No, 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 no. I want this one. It's the most expensive one on the shelf. Okay, now that's a different cop. That's a different topic. Understood. You always always got the wad wallet people. But again, I'm going with my experience where I'm at. So, because, you know, it is what it is. No, same same thing everywhere, dude. Right. You're going to run into people that say they want this. You can talk to them. You can get them a cigar. More appropriate towards them. But you do have every shop that's always going to have it. What's the most expensive cigar you got? Right. That's what I want. $87 cigar. I want that one. 
Why? It's more expensive. Let's be the best. You know what? If we're not going to have this conversation, I'm not going to waste my breath. Go nuts. Same thing with bourbon. Yep. What? Give me your most expensive bourbon. All right, I got 175 a pour. That don't mean that that $175 pour is going to be anything different than a $6 pour I could give you. So, what the hell did you guys get me and Mickey Peg hooked on? JW Dance. Oh my God, is that not a good pour? Dude, that's one. That's one of those crazy. So, one of the things that the Cowboys done this entire podcast, and he's actually brought it up a lot more than I have. A lot, like what we're drinking right now. Not everybody is buying the. That, actually, that's not true. Both these bottles are around 115 to 150, so they're not outrageous like some that we've had. But there are times on the podcast where just between tobacco and bottles, we get over a thousand dollars on the table. Right. So he started doing, and I, I, I almost think it was unintentional, and it just kind of became a trend. Like we would do podcasts with big bottles, big cigars, but then we would do podcasts with you know your typical average market on a cigar now is between nine and seventeen dollars, right? That's kind of the range on eighty percent of the cigar market. And we'd have those, and then he'd be like, "Hey, I found these three. We get to drink them. We're like, holy shit! You know, these are uh, Heaven Hill Juice or." or their MGP, or their this and their that, and we get done, it's like, well, how much were these bottles? He goes, this one was 25, this one was 19, this one was 30. And then he started talking, he was like, well, check it out. You know, not everybody has, you know, $100 a day to spend on a drink and a cigar. I don't. I don't know about you guys, but I fucking don't. But what if you go buy a $30 bottle and five $8 cigars, and for the next two, three weeks, you can enjoy yourself with a great whiskey and five great cigars over that time. Right? It doesn't always have to be big money, big punch, big boom. It doesn't always have to sit that way. Well, because I just was like thinking, you know, listen, we've got a lot of unicorns, a lot of money on the table, but a lot of our listeners are young guys. They don't have the disposable income. So, you know, let's show them that, you know, it's not even a matter of showing them. Let's just show the market. You can find, and explicitly, I think at the point we were talking about bibs, yep. um, that are hunter proof, which you're going to get a four year bourbon. We all know what bibs are for the most part. And it's fantastic bourbon. That $30 bottle or less is going to last you guys maybe a couple weeks or a good weekend. And then a couple great cigars that have value that we're going to share with you guys. And you're in there with your monies that you could afford disposable income. And that's kind of why I did it. So we're across the board sharing with people that listen to our podcast who um, have different makeups and where they are with their financial uh, situation. 100%. But that's where that JW Dan came from. I understand, and see, I had no clue about it till we were on the podcast the first time, and then, you know, I talked to a friend of mine, he's like, oh yeah, I can get you a case. I bought a case and started getting it up to Mickey a few bottles at a time, because he fell in love with the stuff. It's good. Yeah. And, it, you know, my, again, I am not a bourbon aficionado. I've got a few at home. I'm a gin guy, Scott. I'm a scotch guy first. Then I'm a gin guy second. Then I'm probably a bourbon guy. All right, real quick, what's your, what gin do you like? So my favorite gin... No, I wear a Calvin Klein number two, black bottle. 
Not sure what that is. Not that's my, jeans. Oh, I said Jen. That's my favorite Jen. You know why I don't drink Jen? Because I sprayed cologne in my mouth one time, then I had Jen. That's what it fucking tastes like. No, I hear you. I no, understand what I you're saying. Jen. You're wrong. Wait, do that again. I dare. Okay, tell me your Jen, and so, I'll tell you. Okay. My favorite Jen of all times. There's two. I don't differentiate Uncle Val's Botanical, which to me is the, one of the best botanicals there are. And then another one's locally made. Still 630s. Yeah. And I may screw up how they name this, but I think it's Both called Volstead's Follies. Yeah. It is just a phenomenal gin. And I have killed enough bottles of both of those. You know, oddball story. Like six years ago, my wife and I are walking on South Grand back when uh, Mangia Italiano was still open, and they had this little summer block party going on, and the gin room up the street. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Had a little booth set up, and they had a hibiscus infused gin with a hibiscus infused tonic. That shit went down like candy, and I was hooked. Because most of the time, gin to me had that real heavy pine flavor, that typical gin flavor. This did not, and I was like, wow, I always swore gin off until I drank that hibiscus infused gin. Now I drink gin uh, as much as anything. Nope. I don't drink a lot of gin. Uh, for whatever reason, I got kind of in a little routine because I wanted something a little, because I drink a lot of bourbon and, and Tangeray's um, is the gin I was kind of drinking. Now I, I have um, a couple vodkas that I really like okay. with soda, but I would get a Tangeray and tonic. And I'd have a couple of them it kind of made me feel good and it was a little different and i enjoyed it with my dinner um and then i went to an italian restaurant and they had tangerine 10 which is a little bit more um refined yes you don't get that harshness maybe you do on tangerine and i really like that and i have had some of the uh botanicals that you said but again i'm not a big drinker of gin but that 10, that Tangeray 10 is not bad with a really good time. Well, and I just yeah. like gin in here. But here's a really side note. I love rye. I, for, I Don't ask me why. I love rye too. But I am a big rye guy. Now, all right. I might have to pause myself and actually send a message because now I'm drawing a blank anymore. No, I'm not. There is a ride that you can no longer buy, or at least I cannot find it, called Powwow. Ever heard of it? Now, when you say rye, are you talking about a rye gin? No, rye whiskey. Oh, okay. Now we're on whiskey. Right. So, follow me. I've got a reason. Powwow rye was finished with gin botanicals. So somebody would make gin, they would take those botanicals after they made the gin, and they finished this powwow rye with the gin botanicals. And my God, this was something special. I mean, one of my gods reached down and touched that shit and said, that is the elixir of life. Now, 
problem is you can't find it. It's a bold stake. Yeah, that's that's yeah. And if you can find it, it's a bold move, God. Hey, bold move. And I'm I'm taking the risk. I will throw. If any of your listeners happen to have it, let me know. I will buy whatever. Hey guys, we got Powell. He has been well. well I will say this: I I do think that through these, the whiskey, the bourbon, uh, whatever spirit is your thing, I do think that there is a trend of finishing, which is amazing. For example, me and Mark, um, we've been drinking the Penelope from here to there. Yes, and they did a finish with Pinot Noir, which I would have not thought the Pinot Noir, because you just don't see that. Right. It was fantastic. Really? So I do think that there is a trend moving forward to buying particular spirits and finishing them. What I was saying, Mark, to recap, is I think there's a market that's up and coming for finishing. And we won't get into details of people we know are doing it, but what I'm saying is, for example, me and Mark had a Penelope that was finished in Pinot Noir. And when we read it, we were like, are you kidding me? Because we drank it, and it was absolutely fantastic. So I would never have I think thought there's that. an up-and-coming market for finishing sure. um, spirits in general. By chance, on your show, 100%. or in your travels, have you guys had mythology? It's a bourbon. Yeah, that seems familiar. But I don't know. So it's out of Denver. And I, I've come. They do. Is a, it a bourbon? Yes. Okay. So they've got a bourbon rye blend that I absolutely love. But the other day, when I came back from Denver on my last trip, I thought that I had picked up the bourbon rye blend, and I didn't. I picked up an American whiskey finished in a Syrah barrel, which is a wine barrel. Syrah. Am I saying that correct? Syrah. Well, the label was the same, but the little banner on the bottle was different. I didn't read the banner. I just saw the label and went, oh, that's the one I want. So I grabbed it. It was phenomenal. It was incredible. So, again, like you were saying, those finishings that people are starting to do in different things. Hey, brother. How oh, goes it, sir? We got a little uh, group of golfers coming in, and we're just all handshaking and smacking them. Go ahead. No, I just, I agree with what you said. Again, for me, if you finish it in a rum Caribbean cask where you get that sweetness from that rum cask, whatever you put in it, it's yeah. pretty goddamn Tommy, hand, hand Mark a cigar. Give me something full behind it, out of our stuff. I handed out the Bondoleros, or the Garofalos. While he's handing out, I got to say, this cigar is, is really moving forward for me, man. This cigar is getting so, a lot better now. It's getting a, It's really starting to get this kind of ghosty vanilla flavor to it. Yeah, it's getting into its own now. It's like when you let the cigar go, thinking out this really unique, uh, like an extract, kind of a vanilla play in which is a lot of fun. Hey, Lynn. Get a couple of glasses. I have something I want you to try. All right. All right. So, 
No, I yeah, some of our some of our buddies came. I understand. Yeah. I'm just. I agree with what you were saying that there's a lot of companies, and I'm not talking about the honey, the American honeys, or no, that's the, separate. That's, the that's maples, infusing. right? That's yeah. infused. I'm talking how they finish some of the bourbons, whiskey, scotches, whatever. I'm really enjoying that because I had no clue I enjoy Syrah wine, but I had no clue I would enjoy a bourbon finished in a Syrah wine. What was that? Um, we had it a, a few weeks ago, I think with the Mad Rush, it was a... Uh, what was that bottle he pulled out? It was finished in like a strange... Uh, oh, what did we have? It was in like a... Uh, no, it was the... Um, we had it at the farm. I left you the bottle. The three cord that was finished in Pinot Noir cast. Three oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. But finishing in a Pinot Noir cast. Right. Like a incredibly rich and sweet wine cast changes everything in the whiskey. So, which one? The Glimmer Angie. Give that to Lynn. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I was at Devil Sportsman's Fest weekend. And Three Chord was there, and I bought a bottle of each of their yeah. stuff. Oh my, they do some phenomenal stuff. So they do, so they, uh, it's, it's not Pat Benatar's husband, right? Stevie Nicks, husband, boyfriend? What did I say on that? I don't remember. It, uh, it's, um, it's not Stevie Nicks. It's one of those female lead singers. Her husband is a part of this thing. And what yeah, Three I think Chord his name does, is Garcia. I, I have to, you might be right there. I, I don't remember. But when you look at it, so what they do is they, they, they work with two different distillers that have been in the industry. Everywhere from wine to bourbon and scotch collectively over 60 years. Okay. Okay. Then, so they made a rye, they made a bourbon, they made a Tennessee whiskey, and they made a blend. Now, what they do with all these, so like when we met them, there was this guy that came out, Josh Miller, playing music, doing his dance, and what they do with all of these sales is everything that is sold, everything that is sold, a percentage of it goes to traveling musicians okay. to keep them on the road. I got you. You know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah. a, it's a really cool, unique thing. But I, that Pinot that. Noir finish, the three-quarter, I think it was a strange collaboration. No, I think that's right. I don't remember. You got the bottle. You, you, I don't know. But it was fantastic. I, yeah, I was going to say, I bought it in Kansas City, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very solid. So, And, you know, my thing is... How do I explain this so it makes sense? I don't go into a cigar shop, even as a broker. If I go into a cigar shop and I've got 200 cigars with me, I buy a cigar. Always. 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 Because I'm supporting. Have I come into Lit and not bought a cigar? No, but that's that same argument I've said all the time. Like when people try to walk into a lounge. Now, if you know the rules and you're a regular there and it's like that thing's okay, that's different. When you walk into a lounge for the first time, you sit down, expect service, you're pulling your own shit out, and you're cutting and lighting it. That's the same thing as going to a steakhouse with a cooler and your own steak and telling right. the chef how to fucking cook it. Exactly. That is so not okay. I totally not agree. Okay. Well, first of all, you, you're... And so that they was, enable you to bring your own, which is cool. So, um... Who do I gotta know to get the lid? You know, support your local shop 
and buy a couple great cigars. Well, well right. And do your thing. A hundred percent. You know, and I do know that actually, what's really interesting. I, I started diving into this to read about it a little bit. Um, that's from uh, December of twenty-one. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing about that is the cigar bar scene has grown exponentially in the past half decade. Yes. There, now, not that there's been a million of them open, but compared to BYOB brick and mortar cigar lounges opening, a lot of new openings are cigar bars. Now, whether that's full service package license or beer and wine, like Green Street and Key West, regardless, there is still, you know, you gotta think, you know, look, Look, especially with the, the legal smoking age, it used to be 18, so you had to be careful. Now the national smoking age is 21. So when you go into a brick and mortar, it's nothing for you to have a bottle in your backpack because they're not selling it to you. Right. They're not responsible for it. Even a lot of these lounges, you know, some of them have started carrying ice and glasses and water you can buy and sodas you can buy to mix and things like this. But a lot of these old school brick and mortar shops, they don't have glasses. They don't have ice. Right. So if you want to drink, you bring in your own deal, right? Like a chair. You're uh, bringing it all. Right. There you go. You know what You're I mean? You're bringing it's, your party to the cigar shop. Yeah. You have to handle that on your own. So I realize I'm here as a broker, so I'm going to delve into this a little bit from my perspective. Well, good. You're a broker. So I, I've got 10 states right now that I cover. Uh, pick your number of shops because, hell, for me to give you an accurate count would be a lot. What I see a lot of is 50% are bars. Depending on your state, the bars are less frequent because there are states that you can't. So let's take Missouri. There's parts of Missouri that you can serve alcohol and smoke cigars. There's other parts of Missouri that you can't even smoke in the building. Yes. Unless you were grandfathered in for some reason or another. And even, even that gets weird, you know? It, right. It comes down to smoking laws across states. You know, yes. it's, like, it's like when you go to Chicago. You know, everybody was always telling me how hard it was to find a place to smoke in Chicago. Now, there's about six great lounges that you can Google and go to. Just on Michigan Avenue, there are nine private clubs. Now, yeah, but there's no, hear me more out. than six. No, 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 hear me out. Those private clubs, it is nothing but a hollow building with a bartender with glasses. There's a pool table, there's TVs, there's chairs. He's got glasses, ice, and soda. Cost you $25 to go in the door, bring your cigars, bring your bottles. You sit there, you've got someone that you can literally set your bottle on the bar and they have staff that will serve you your bottle. Yep. Or you can sit down with it and do the whole thing. It's, it's not impossible to smoke there. You know, it's, it's insane. No, but, but there are, I think the last time I did a count because Chicago's part of my area, there's 58, and I'm not counting Chicago proper, I'm counting- No, you're counting everywhere. Chicago, the suburbs. There's 58 different lounges, not including head shops. And if you sell, six or seven facings, I don't put you on my list. Let's be clear. You have to have a humidor of some sort to be on my list. And there's like 58 shops. 
Now, are there the very unique cigar bar, cigar lounge specific places? Casa de Monte Cristo, Biggs, 8x8, The Byron and Schomburg, uh, Big Mike's and Skokie, uh, God, I mean, the Humidor of Lyle, the Humidor of Westmont. The list goes on and on. These are all places you can go buy a phenomenal cigar, preferably one of mine, and have a great experience. But there's also a lot of places, like you were saying, that they call themselves a club. Whether it's five bucks or 50 bucks to walk in the door, sit down with your cigar, your bourbon, your scotch, whatever it is. Well, I, I know I know of four places between here and Iowa, there in Iowa, that when you come in the front door, you sign up, it's a $5 membership per month, you can cancel the night you leave. But you pay that $5 membership, you can come in and order food, drinks, and smoke. It's a completely private club. Right. Now there are there are members there, it's the one place everybody can go to do that. It is there, but you can come in on a weekend, five bucks, fill out a card, you get a membership card. I have five of them. Just every time we went there to compete, we had to fucking, you know, right. do what you did. And then, you know, but you can do that. So here you go, shift gears a little. PCA 2024. We all know what's going on, right? They're moving back to New Orleans. Do you realize there is one place in the entire state? Okay, I need to amend that before I stick my foot in my mouth. There's one place in the city of New Orleans that you can eat, drink, and smoke at. Oh, I didn't know. I've never been to There's only one. And it's in the French Quarter, Cuban Creations. Oh. Now, within... I'm still bummed that St. Louis City Council wouldn't approve the dome for usage for PCA. To hell with the dome. Use the convention center. It was big enough. Either they, one. They, they still, still, wouldn't, they do still wouldn't do the smoking right. inside. It's because they're idiots. Yeah. Just the dome. Just that field. You could have the entire, entire show, and then you would select after parties. They were tapping nine different lounges for after parties. Right. Like you just, you, you know. know. And it's not like just this last weekend. What did they do at the dome? You have any idea? Prepping for the Battle Hawk season? No, no, no. It was Kaka. called... It was the Midwest Dirt Nationals, December 1 through 3. Now, I've got a dirt racing history background. My dad, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. Is that dirt bike? No. Cars. Cars. Oh, Midgets okay. and super late models where they lay dirt inside the football field and they race. Now, you're telling me that the exhaust that came out of those cars good point alcohol methane and regular no gas was as healthy as cigar smoke no but all they do is they turn those big ass fucking air handlers on or when the dirt bikes are there or the monster trucks are there they turn those big ass air handlers what is it? on it's it's 200 foot ceilings right from floor to top i don't know but that, that what, what's, is what's, a great six point stories, right? yeah but that's not 200 feet what's six stories 12 12 foot of story 225 feet right that's not 200 whatever same difference as 200 no that's not six inches leave it alone <laughs> i know <laughs> 
But it's even still. Hey, he like, said I couldn't cross the whole. The, you cross every line here. It don't matter. We've only ever stopped this and started over one time. So. But my point is simple. Yes, St. Louis screwed the pooch. The Board of Aldermen clowns, they have no idea. None. Just the revenue. Right. You're talking 50 states on average, even with the decline in IPCPR, now PCA inclusion, on average, it's depending on the state, it's six to 21 shops. Right. One to three people per shop. That's hotel rooms, that's dining, that's after party rental, that's right. transportation. That. The amount of fucking money. Yeah, but we all we are assuming that PCA has some reps that come into St. Louis. Oh, the entire PCA board of members is trying to do it. Well, I understand that, but who's presenting this to who, and how they were represented, and how well a job they did? There's not. I, I don't know. I think I would assume they're top professionals, and they can sing and dance and do. There's the not thing a they single person employed on the board of the PCA. I think the youngest tobacco history on that is six years in retail. On that board. Well, you know one of the PCA board members right here in the state of Missouri. And what does PCA stand for? Just so our Premium Cigar Association. Okay. Yeah. Just so That's what the know. International Pipe Cigar Retail Retail Association. Yeah, something IBCBR. like that. Right. Yeah. So Retail, international pipe cigar retailers. Down in and cigar and pipe retailers. Down in Springfield. Just for him? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Christian's wife is on PCA's board. Yeah. Okay. So they had good representation for the state. I, I don't understand St. Louis. I never will. I've been I was born and raised here. Thankfully I moved away for a while and I'm back. But I don't understand their their reasoning, their thought process that happens in downtown St. Louis. Because fortunately for me, with my cigar business, I get to travel and see major cities throughout the Midwest, and none of them at 6 o'clock at night are dead. None. You go to any Midwest city, you go to Denver, Chicago, Indianapolis, Louisville, Nashville, Memphis, New Orleans. Every city is a vibrant nightlife except St. Louis. If somebody can explain that to me, you're smarter than I am because I don't get it. Well, as far as cigar smoking, I think St. Louis in general has a really good market. For in, in, a, in a, it's a, I want to say it's a 28 mile radius. You've got the largest cigar bar market and lounge density, I think. Maybe second to you've got Ebor City, right? So that I thought we had a good one. It's the one. Oh, it's one of in Indy. I went there one night and um, I enjoyed at least three or four different from Rocky Vitale to three or four other really well established cigar bars in Indy within walking distance. So, I mean, and that's not even counting what you would have to drive to. Um, so I thought Indy was really good too. So I always thought St. Louis, Kansas City, 
I think that's a smaller market. I mean, although it's growing. It's a more condensed market. It's a more condensed market. Right, 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 right. But the Midwest shit, just definitely in Kansas City, ass. City limits, you can hit five shops in 15 well, minutes. Well, my, my statement is Kansas City is not more condensed. It's more spread out. St. Louis is much more condensed. Kansas City is north-south. But mileage, though. Well, yes, mileage, it's closer, but it's more spread out north-south. Because you go from... But but can we can we comfortably say this, that the Kansas City cigar market and its distance from each other is smaller than that of St. Louis? Like, you, you could argue that you're going from Grafton, Illinois, up to... Ferguson, Missouri, and in that straight shot, you can hit 15 shots. Well, not Grafton, all. Well, all, all. There's no cigar shops at all. I mean, in Grafton. Only at the Northwestern. You have Triple E. You have Smoke. Yeah, but see, I don't put those in that straight line. No, not a straight line. But that's what you said. Well, okay, sorry. Because for me, if I go a straight line from Ash to Ash and Amble, every single one of those shops is in between one of those two. And then you've got Corey's Sun Shop, Weston, 30 miles north of Ash. Right. So from there to here, which is a 70 mile straight line. That's 70 miles. Well, but that's, um, again, though, I'm putting uh, Weston in there. Well, that would that would be like that would be like us including fucking Kate Gerardo. And, right, and you can't. Uh, but again, Weston's 30 miles north. What's that? What's that one out there that we like to go to? The wine country. Uh, um. Out in uh, Herman? Sorry, Herman. Yeah. yeah um, Throw Herman in with everybody else. But Washington, again, Pacific, but if you do that, that straight line and you just start and you take take Ash and Amble out also, because Ash and Amble's 35 miles straight south of KC. So you start at Fireside and you go to Ash. Every single store is in that straight line. Right. It's weird. I know. All right, guys. So we've come to this point where we're going to do that thing where we smoke a few more cigars. We do have to shut this off just because I want to stay inside our time parameters. Right, we are not at Joe Rogan status yet, so this will not be a four-hour podcast. But, Tommy, thank you so much for hooking this no, up. No, thank you very um, much for we having will, me. We will, we will take some pictures thank and stuff so and show the Patreon what's being awarded out. Um, we will co-ship all these. We'll do these together. Uh, what I'll do is when you hook up with your distributors, we'll get addresses and we'll drop some of these off. All right, we'll just drop some of them. Well, basically, I'm going to have them sent to me. I'm going to give them to you and we'll figure it out. We'll work it out. Okay, cool. Um, so, we'll shut this thing down. I'm a holler from the Viking. I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Wait, can I make one correction? Sure. Not Tiny Tom. Tiny Tom. No, Bo. Tiny Tom. Bo. Uh, I'm the nickname guy, bro. You're Tiny Bo. Tom. Uh, because everybody in my life that knows my nickname knows it as Bo. Okay, you're Tommy two times. Tommy two times. Whatever. Because he keeps saying he's a firefighter. Tommy two times. Yeah, and listen, for the Bourbon Cowboy, it's been a great afternoon. A lot of Christmas spirit going on here in the tent out at Winnie's. Thanks for them. Uh, hosting our podcast this afternoon. And from the Bourbon Cowboy, thanks for listening as always. And man, we'll see you next week.